0: Uh, at the end of each Sunday service, you guys remember, uh, we, we quote a statement of faith about who we are, right? Or who we should, or I say, should I say, we are ascribing to be certain things. We, we talked about being, uh, uh, what, disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have what? Kingdom impact, where? Schools, jobs, and the community at the laws. We should do what? Reflect our faith and lead others into a personal relationship with the Savior Jesus Christ, that's who we're striving to be, right? We recite this statement every week, but beyond it, we have ways of thinking or we have mindsets that tend to guide us even beyond what this statement says. Because the statement says, I want to be a disciple believer who consistently, all right, come on, high schoolers, what does the word consistent mean? Huh? Keeps on going, all right? Consistent means it's regular. It's on the regular. In other words, how many of y'all go to the bathroom regularly? just ask some questions. Uh, okay. Yeah. You better raise your hand because you're not, being taken taking to the doctor now. All right. We do it regularly, right? We go to the bathroom regularly, consistently. And what God is trying to tell us is, is that, you know, this, what we talk about here in our, in our statement is, is we are disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact in our homes, schools, jobs, and the community. Of the Lord. So that's what we quote, that's what we're ascribing to be. Am I right about it? But many times, these other mindsets that we carry, these unspoken mindsets that are there, that are not really interested in being walking in the ways of God consistently. Because how many of y'all want to get mad with a family member or a friend, you don't really want to walk in the ways of God when you're mad at them? How many of y'all want to unfriend them, you want to you stop hanging out with them when you get mad at them? All right, so... So consistency is very important, but oftentimes we're not healthy as a church because we, 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 end up, we find ourselves in a position to where we're not consistently doing this and this other mindset takes over. So over time, you know, we got to realize that we got to keep the proper mindset over time. These philosophies of ministries create a culture. Uh, look at the look at the second bullet point. Many times these mindsets are unspoken, but nevertheless, they create a strong and direct influence on how we do ministry our mindsets amen affect how we do ministry whether or not you want to come here on Wednesday night affects how you do ministry okay second thing he says over time these philosophies of ministry create a culture all right culture is created by the things we allow and we disallow as well as the things we celebrate And the things that 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 we celebrate and we discipline. Okay. now, again, it's one thing for us to quote this. But what I'm what I'm what I'm driving home tonight is as we talk about the healthy church is I even though we quote this every Sunday, guys, we got to get to a point to where we are modeling this every day. Because otherwise, what we'll have is we'll have this statement of faith, but the culture of our church will be something different than what we're quoting. Right. The culture of our homes will be something different than what we are expressing when we out in, in, in public. How many of y'all have heard the term Facebook personality? How many how, how many I know what it means to have a fake Facebook profile that's not indicative of who you really are? How many of y'all know that people post stuff on Facebook and it looks like they are joyous and they're happy. Right. Looks like they like they living large and in charge. But then when you follow them home, you discover that that Facebook image and that photo that looks like they're real happy is not the real truth. The culture in their home is one of dysfunctionality. The culture in their home is one where, where things are not going so well. At school, we may, at school we, may, we may project a certain image at school, but that's not who we really are when we get away from that school. So what, I, what we want to do is we talk about the health of the church tonight is let's figure out how we... Can not only quote this every Sunday, but it becomes the culture of who we are as a church so we can be healthy and be in a position where God can use us, okay? Now, if you will, turn with me to Matthew, the fifth chapter. We're gonna look at three important philosophies of ministry that can help us get there, okay? Three important philosophies. Healthy philosophies of ministry help us create a culture of ministry that clearly guides us in what we allow and disallow and what we celebrate and what we discipline, okay? Once this culture has been established, it can create a dynamic atmosphere of ministry that God blesses and people uh, th- can thrive in. And unsaved people are attracted to it. Guys, when we when we become the church that God wants us to be, when we become, we become a healthy church, everybody say a healthy church. When we become a healthy church, then it's going to be attractive because the love of God is going to be exuding out of all of us, and that's attractive. People will thrive and sinners will be attracted to that love because God's love is uh, contagious. Amen? So Matthew, the fifth chapter, uh, verse number 13, we're going to begin our reading right there, Matthew 5 and 13. We're going to look at three important philosophies of ministry that can help us become healthy. I will submit to you that, that we are not as healthy as God wants us to be as a church. We're not as healthy as God wants us to be as a church. Because Many of us in here are not consistently, regularly walking in the ways of God. We're not consistently and regularly doing the things that God wants us to do. How many of you guys consistently do everything your parents tell you to do? Let me see a hand. Can I get a hand raised? Not one? Not one of y'all consistently do what your parents tell you to do? How many of y'all try Okay, some y'all, y'all try? Some of y'all try? All right. How, how many of y'all try hard? Oh, y'all, those hands went up real slow. All right? See, guys, it's, it's important that we realize that when our parents tell us to do something, they're trying to create a culture in the home and in your life that is God-honoring. Because they know if they can create that proper culture, you will thrive, and you'll be the best you that you can possibly be, Okay? So let's get in here. We're going to talk about some things that can help us to become a healthy church. And one of them is a spirit of excellence. Everybody say excellence. All right, watch this. Watch this. Matthew, the fifth chapter, verse number 13 from the NLT. I want you all to read with me out loud and on purpose. Okay, y'all ready? Let's go. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it is lost its what? Flavor. Can you make it salty again? You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Next verse says what? No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So nobody, again, back in these times, they had candles that that they lit the house up with. How many of y'all uh, lost power during the storm on last Friday? That was, uh, you know, of course, the, the middle school r- roof got pulled off, and so uh, it was raining pretty hard. We got a little hail at the house, and then the lights were off at our house from 1 a.m. to about 2.30 Saturday afternoon. So we lost power. We, 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 we couldn't see in the dark, so we had to go get, instead of getting a cat we had some candles, but we got a flashlight to light up the house because when light comes, darkness has to flee, Right? He says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I didn't light the flashlight and then cover it up with a pillow. That would have been ignorant, wouldn't it? (laughs) Because I'm trying to get light. Now look at the next verse. Come on, verse 16, read together. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone... Well, praise what? This is Jesus talking, and he says, in the same way, like you, you wouldn't cover a candle or a flashlight up, but when you light it, you let it f- flow open so people can see. And so in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. You want to do good deeds for everybody to see so they can say, oh, my goodness. Well, isn't a great young lady? Oh, my goodness. Uh, isn't Caleb the greatest fifth grader, fourth grader at his school? He's a wonderful kid. Look, look at what Caleb is doing. Caleb, an awesome guy. Oh, let's lift up the name of Caleb. No, it didn't say let your light shine so that you can be glorified, did it? It says what? In the same way let your good deeds shine out. For all to see your good deeds so that they can what? They're going to praise who? Your heavenly father, right? So what we do as a ministry has to be done so that God can be glorified, right? Everybody say God gets the glory here. That's the culture we're trying to set. Now, w- let's look at on the outline what excellence is not. Because sometimes we have uh, one, one way to find out what something is, is to understand what it's not. Excellence Uh, It's not perfectionism. Excellence don't mean that you do everything perfectly, right? How many of y'all have ever been around people who are perfectionists? See, a perfectionist is is an unhealthy person who who takes their inadequacies and their inner problems of of their life and try to match them by perfecting their outer environment. Nobody can do things perfectly, but, 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 but excellence is not perfection. In other words, perfection, excellence doesn't mean that we do everything right all the time. We ought to be consistent in how we do things, but it doesn't mean that we do everything right all the time. Second thing, excellence is not, it's not materialism. Some people think excellence is when you get something that's expensive and nice. Uh, I, back in the day when, uh, when, when kind of the word of faith movement was real strong and people were, uh, were naming it and claiming it. They were, they they were, they were, they were speaking it into existence. They, they thought that, that that driving something expensive meant that I I, I care a spirit of excellence because I drive a Mercedes-Benz. Let me tell you something, baby. Mercedes-Benz ain't got nothing to do with the spirit of excellence because excellence has nothing to do with materialism. Are y'all with me? It's not materialism. The third thing we said excellence is not is what? It's not legalism. See, legalism adds requirements of acceptance and righteousness to God's word. God's word don't need anything added to it. Okay, so it's not legalism. See, God loves us just the way we are. By that I mean He loves us just the way we are. He don't want us to stay the way we are, but He love His love is not conditional how good we are. And what was happening during the time that Jesus lived? Pharisees and Sadducees would add stuff to God's word. They would add stuff to the law. Put all these things on 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 the, on, on, on their followers and try to put them on Jesus' disciples. How many of y'all remember the time when they came to Jesus and asked him, why is it that your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat? First of all, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all wash your hands before you eat? How many of y'all don't? Some of y'all didn't raise your hand. (laughs) Wash your hand before you eat. Let me ask another question. And I've been in public bathrooms and I I go use the bathroom and I come out and I wash my hands. But people have been in in, in the stall doing number two and get up and, and walk out and don't wash their hands how many of y'all wash your hands when you leave the bathroom? I pray that you do. And sometimes, that's why you better bless your food, because sometimes some of those workers who come out of that bathroom, even though the sign says, employees must wash your hands. Y'all saw that sign before? How many of y'all know some of those employees ignore that? So you better ask God's blessing, because you never know who's who's fixing your food in that kitchen. But they said, we're going to add a ceremonial washing before you eat. It had nothing to do with cleanliness or hygiene it was a ceremonial washing that they had added to the law and Jesus' disciples didn't observe that Jesus didn't because he says it's not what goes in you that defiles you it's what comes out of you that defiles you okay y'all with me today all right so so excellence is not I mean excellence is not what number one it's not what it's not perf- it's not what it's, it's, it's number one it's not perfectionism number two it's not what materialism number three is not what Legalism, okay? God loves us just where we are, but He wants to change us to be in the express image of His dear Son, okay? Now, what excellence is, let's watch this right quick. Because if we're going to operate with a spirit of excellence, church, we need to at least know what it is, okay? So, first thing is, excellence is making the church a reflection of heaven's standard and not a reflection of our standards or those of our culture. Because a culture is a way of doing things, how you do things. Culture, uh, we can set culture in the church, and you can set culture in your home, right? And you can set a certain culture in your family. Now, watch this. Wherever we are in our homes or in the church, God expects a certain standard to be set, a standard that, that falls in line with his word. So, number one, Exodus is making the church a reflection of heaven standard, and not a reflection of our standards, okay? Or those of the culture that we live in. Because our culture says this, guys. Let's be careful. The culture in America now says a man can marry a man. So what say you? Real for Christ. The culture says a woman can marry a woman. What say you? Real for Christ. What kind of culture is being set at real for Christ? I don't know. What, what are y'all teaching over there? Okay, I know y'all not. Okay. I just want to make sure, Okay. Because see, the culture that, that is being set over there and the culture that's in your mind or the culture that's at your school, are you going to adapt to that or are you going to adapt to what you're being taught by your parents and what you're being taught here at EBC and through The Real for Christ? Because see, sometimes people get upset with, with you as a believer because you have a certain standard. Amen. And they will tell you that you are, you're, 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 uh, uh, you're non-tolerant that you don't love them because you don't agree with Listen, baby, you don't have to agree with somebody to love them. You can still love them and not agree with them. Is that right, Brooke? You hear me, Brooke? Is that you, Brooke? Is that Brooke? Brooke, why don't you sit up straight? I don't like the way you lean back in that chair. I need you to look me right in the eye, Brooke. Thank you, Brookie, I love you, girl. All right, so watch this, watch this. Come on, watch, watch this. Excellent. Make the church a reflection of heaven's standard and not a reflection of our standards of those of the culture. We are trying to reflect God, reflect God to the world not ourselves or the culture. Matthew 6 and 10 said thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we're trying to bring heaven's culture here on earth. How is God going to bring heaven's culture down here to earth? He's going to do it through you and I. Are you with me? All right, so So the first thing we look at is uh, what excellence is making the church a reflection of heaven's standards and not a reflection of our our standards or those of the culture. Second thing is, excellence is making our churches and our ministries attractive and hospitable to everyone in our communities. That's, That's important, okay? It's making our churches and ministries attractive and hospitable to everybody in our communities. So that means that it may be that Somebody may come to our church that's not dressed like you. Somebody may come to our church that doesn't look like you. Maybe a different ethnicity. But that should not matter to us. We should be here welcoming those who, who in this community are, are drawn and attracted to, to the church that you serve in. Or when you go out and share with them and they want to come to Real for Christ with you, be a willing participant to invite them to come. Are you all with me today? In everything we do, Our responsibility is to attract people to the light of Jesus Christ. Without excellence, we are excluding people. All right. So making our churches and our ministries attractive and hospitable to everyone in our community. The third thing is we got to realize uh, that excellence is warfare against the enemy in a manner he can't replicate. Everybody say warfare against the enemy in a manner that he can't replicate. So what do you mean by that, brother? Pastor? Well, Satan cannot replicate an environment of love because he ain't love. God is love. He cannot replicate an environment of love and grace as bright as that that God's people can. Are y'all with me today? He can't replicate the compassion of God's people reaching out to those who are hurting uh, like we as Christians can. Because let me tell you something in case you didn't know the enemy. He only wants to draw you and attract you so that he can kill you. So that he can destroy you. How do I know that? Well, John 10 and 10 says something that's really profound and I'll quote it for you. It says, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, i come that you might have life and that you might have it what? More abundantly. More abundantly. So if the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that means that when he's, when he's enticing you to go and have sex with that boy or go and have sex with that girl, when he's enticing you to look at pornography, when he's enticing you to get on social media and say something negative about somebody at school who you're making fun of, he's enticing you. He's trying to drag you into a place to where your light can't shine. And what he'll do is, he'll drag you into a place. Okay, yeah, yeah, go you know, you're know, going out with your friends, uh, y'all going to the movie, but y'all going to slide by someplace else that you had no business going, and then y'all going to get a little something to drink. Do any of y'all know friends who drink alcohol? Come on, look at me. Y'all too young. Is that what y'all tell me? Do y'all know anybody who drinks? Okay, thank you. I got some honesty up here. There's some yeses. All right. Do y'all know anybody who looks at stuff over the Internet that's of a provocative and sexual nature or pornography? Shake your head. Come on, shake your head. You don't know anybody? Do you know anybody? Okay, good. I got got a lot of y'all shaking your head. Listen, guys. What the enemy will do is he'll connect you with somebody or he'll use you to draw uh, you away from God. All right. So we want to make sure that we keep letting our light shine. And, and part of that light being shine, shown means that we have to make sure that we are walking in a spirit of warfare against the enemy. We got a warfare in a, in a, in a manner that, that, that Satan can't replicate. Satan wants to pull you out there to destroy you. But God loves you. And he wants to keep you in his care. All right, so let's go to the next thing. So the first thing we want to make sure is we create a spirit of excellence in this church. Okay, everybody say excellent. All right, the next thing is, is we want to have a unity in the body. Go to John 17, verse 20 through 23. John 17, we want to have unity. We want to be unified. Unity is very important. Real for Christ group, it's important that you guys stay unified. That you don't allow anything to separate you from your mission. Look at John 17, verse number 20, unity. And as, as I said in your outline, one of the, uh, the things that we got to realize is one of the most important, one of the most important, one of the most important, everybody say important. Say it again, say important. One of the, uh, one of the most important issues on the heart of God related to his church is Unity. Jesus prayed fervently that his church would become one even as he was one with the Father. Watch what the text says. Let's read it out loud and on purpose. It says what? I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who were ever believe in me through their message. Who's, who's talking here? Jesus is talking. And he says, he's praying to the Father. He says, he says I'm praying not only for these original 12 disciples and, the, and those other ones that go be expand beyond that. I'm not only just praying for them, but I'm praying, watch this guys, for all who were ever believe in me through their message. So right now, here we are in the Bible because Jesus said, not only am I praying for these original disciples, but I'm praying for everybody who would ever believe on me through their message. And guess what? We believe on Jesus through their message, Right? All right, look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. 21. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I in you, and that they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Watch this. And they may be in us so that the world believe you sent me. He wants them to be one just like Jesus and his Father were one. Next verse. Come on, let's go. "I I have given them the glory you gave me so that, So they may be one as we are one. All right. Next verse says what? I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such. Watch this. Jesus is talking about those who follow him because we just we just we just read earlier that he says, I'm praying not only for them, but everybody who will believe on me because of their message. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So how is the world going to know that, first of all, that Jesus was sent by God and that God loves the world and he loves Jesus? How are they, they going to know that? What's the, one, what's the one thing here he says? Come on, read it. He said, may they experience what? Such perfect unity his followers that the world will know that you sent me. So how is the world going to know that Jesus was sent by the Father? Because of the unity that's shown amongst believers. So how many of y'all are saved? Let me see your hand. How many of y'all been saved and baptized? You're a Christian. All right, so if you're a Christian, he's talking about you here. He says, the unity that you share with one another, it's going to be a witness to the world that God sent Jesus to do what he said, what the Bible says he did. And it's also going to be a witness, he says, may they experience such perfect you that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. So guys, you know, unity is critically important for us as a church to exhibit. And it starts with each one of us. From the youngest to the oldest, we got to display unity. Now, sometimes that can be difficult when you don't agree with people. How many of y'all, have, how many of y'all since you've been coming to Real for Christ? And some of y'all are younger, but some of you older ones. Garen, have you ever had a disagreement with anybody in Real for Christ? You have? Okay. Uh, Jordan, I know you're over there helping out. Have you ever had a disagreement with anybody in Real for Christ? You have not? Never. You haven't? Okay, all right. All right, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take you at your word tonight. <laughs> uh, Anais, you, you, have you have you had a disagreement with anybody in Riff Christ? Not that you remember? Okay, she's thinking, y'all. She got 10 seconds, 10, 9. Okay. All right, listen, watch this, watch this. Listen, when, whenever you spend enough time with people, eventually, sometimes we rub each other the wrong way. Right. Let me ask another question. Uh, I'm back to you, Jordan. Jordan, do you ever get into it with Cameron? (laughs) She said, oh, yes, I do. She gets into it with sis. Right. All right. All of us in here, when we spend enough time with people there, because we are imperfect beings, there are times we rub each other. What the wrong way? Okay. so that's going to happen. I'm here to tell you right now, this is not a perfect church. And so, the, the more time you spend with people, there's a greater chance that there's going to be a disagreement or a different opinion, or maybe they do something that you don't agree with, or they rub you the wrong way. So, how will you still show unity? Because it's critically important. Jesus said, "Watch, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love me, love them as much as you love me." So, look at four truth, four truths. Uh, concerning unity. That's, that, that sounds real powerful there because here's what is happening guys I believe in the church today. The church is not showing this kind of unity. And So as a result the world is not even a lot of times not listening to the church because the church is divided. Jesus explicitly said that your, may they experience such unity that that, that that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them just as much as you love me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. God, the Father, loves God, the Son, Jesus Christ. But he loved us even more because what does John three sixteen say? For God, what? So loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not do what? But have what? So four truths concerning you. Number, first thing, God loves unity and hates division and divisive behavior. He hates it. Psalms 133, real quickly. Psalms 133, verse 1. 1 through 3. Y'all seen this before. Psalms 133, and we'll look at verse, verse 1. It says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Uh, KW says, dwell together in unity. For harmony or unity is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard, and onto the border, border of his robe verse three. Harmony or unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion and there the Lord has pronounced his blessing even life everlasting. See, the unity is important to God. It is critically important to God because he knows that that's the way the world will know that he loves Jesus and that he loves us also. Okay? So, um, Go, uh, the second thing we say is Satan understands the power of unity and is always working to bring division. Go to Luke 11 and 17. So since Satan knows the power of unity, he's going to come and try to divide us. Because he knows if we start being unified on the common ground of Jesus Christ, we are a powerful entity that he can't mess with. So he's going to keep us talking about one another. He's going to keep us um, uh you know, not wanting to be around one another to, to separate. And then we say stuff like this. Well, you know, I, I don't have to be around about it. I, I'm, I'm good by myself. And I, and, and I, I know we've said that and I've even said that, but that's not good because if, we, if we're all by ourselves, then God can't do what he wants to do to us because what he wants to do to us requires us to connect with people. Okay. All right. So watch this. Watch this. Luke 11 and 17. So Satan, what, what did we, say? What did, we just say? what did I just tell you? Satan understands the power of unity and is always working to bring division. He wants to divide and conquer. He knew their thoughts. So he said, this is Jesus, when, when some people were trying to challenge him, he says, any kingdom, when they said he cast out uh, demons by, by Beelzebub or by Satan, Jesus says this, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will do what? It'll fall apart. So any church, any group that's feuding is going to eventually fall apart. So God says we got to be unified. Everybody say unified. All right. So the next, you know, one thing I want to make make you remember, remember is, you know, in Genesis, the second chapter, the devil, the devil never attacked Adam when he was alone. But as soon as he was in a unified relationship with Eve and had a commission from God to take dominion on the earth, Satan attacked by dividing his marriage. He he attacked by dividing their marriage and dividing them from God. And by the time we get to Genesis, the sixth chapter, the world was in ruin because of the disunity that took place in the Garden of Eden. Okay. Uh, in Genesis the fourth chapter you see where the devil divided Cain and Abel through a, through uh, one of the one of them being offended and then he tempted Cain to kill his brother Abel and tried to justify it before God Abel tried to justify it before uh, Cain killed his brother Abel and Cain tried to justify it before God see this unity will cause a whole lot of heartache in our in our lives guys so it's important for us to stay unified. third thing unity never occurs by accident. You're not going to just accidentally be unified with somebody. You have to be purposeful, okay? It is the result of dedication and hard work. Go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse one through three with me right quick. So what am I saying? Church, EBC, real for Christ. If you guys are going to be a powerful unit, you got to be intentional. You got to intentionally come and attend. You got to intentionally get engaged. And when questions are being asked, don't sit there and daydream or be on your phone. Listen. Because what is being said, if you will listen and take it to heart, will help you guys be unified as a group and it'll also empower you to walk in your Christian life. Walk at school, at home, uh, at church, okay? Look at what the text says here. Let's read. Therefore, I, who's writing? Who? The Apostle Paul, what does he say? Who's he writing to? The Church of Ephesus. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling for you have been what? Called by God. He's talking to the church. Verse two. Look at what the text says. He's talking to us too, right? Let's read it. It says what? Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now how many of y'all have ever been not patient with your sisters or brothers? <laughs> how many of y'all ever not been patient with your parents? Okay, if you're married, how many of y'all have ever not been patient with your spouse? Okay. <laughs> he says, be patient with each other. Then what does it mean to make allowance for each other's fault? Somebody over here talk to me very really quickly. Brother Spears, when it says make allowance for somebody's fault, do you know what that what what does that mean to make an allowance for somebody's fault? Huh? Make up for it. Okay. anybody Okay. You 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 get that? Anybody else? What does it mean to make an allowance for somebody's faults? That's 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 a little terminology we don't normally utilize. anybody Anybody got an idea? Huh? Come on, you got it. Let, okay, she said, let it go. Overlook some stuff. Because you messed up sometimes, right? And Ava, have you ever messed up? I think Ava, you're a perfect child, aren't you, Ava? You haven't anything wrong. Okay. Right. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. We gotta make an allowance for each other's fault. That means that there are gonna be some times, Brooke, where you may get mad at somebody, but you can't turn away from what you've been taught and how you behave, right? You got to make allowance for their faults. Devin, you got to make allowance for faults. That means I'm going to overlook some things because I'm not perfect and you aren't either. Got me? Always be humble, gentle. Watch this. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Verse three, we got to move. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with what? peace. So unity never occurs by accident and God throughout scripture he's talking about unity because that's how we're going to show the world uh, that God sent Jesus Christ and he loves us as much as he loved his Son Jesus. It is the result of dedication and hard work. We got to work at overlooking people's fault because it's too easy to point the finger. This is what you did. And we never we never look at ourselves when we do stuff we want people to give us a, a break right. All right. But sometimes we find it hard to give others a break. Fourth thing, unity occurs as the interest of God and his kingdom become more important than our own selfish interest. Look at that. Let's read it out loud. It says, What unity occurs as the interest of God and his kingdom become what? More important than our own selfish interest. See, unity is impossible where selfishness exists. If you're selfish, you're not going to be unified with anybody. What does selfish mean? Talk to me, somebody, real quick. Caleb? Gotcha. He says, selfishness is when you only care for yourself. It's all about me, what I want, what I want to eat, where I want to go. What I want to do. Selfish. How many of y'all in here would be willing to admit that there are times in your life where you were just a selfish little thing? You didn't care what sister, mama, anybody's want. You wanted what you wanted when you wanted. And if you're not careful, you'll throw a fit. Right? Selfishness, okay? Unity, again, occurs as the interests of God and His kingdom become more important than our own selfish interests. It's impossible to have unity when. Selfishness is reigning, okay? Even, you know, uh, Peter, when Jesus had told him he's going to the cross of Calvary and, and predicted his death, then Peter said, No, you're not. That's not going to happen. And really, there was a bit of selfishness on Peter's part because he was trying to keep Jesus there with them, but Jesus knew he had a, a mission, an assignment to complete. And he told, what, what he, t- he didn't tell Peter to get behind, he said, Get behind me, what? Satan. Because Satan is the instigator of disunity. He don't want any of us to be unified because he knows there's power in unity. So, so what, what are the four promises that come when we're unified? Number one, unlimited potential. And I, I don't have time to go there, but in Genesis 11 chapter, you see where, uh, I think where the tower of Babel is being built, and these unbelievers were building the tower. And God said, I'm going to come down and confuse their language because if they stay unified, they're going to build this tower all the way up to heaven. See, even unbelievers, if they come together, they can get something done. Are y'all with me today? So there's unlimited potential when we have unity abiding. Uh, Number two, supernatural anointing and blessing from God comes when we're unified. We saw that over in in Psalms 111. Supernatural anointing and blessing from God. So if you want God to bless you, learn how to walk in unity with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? Um, I, I think one of the fatal flaws in much of the body of Christ today is that we are so obsessed with being right as we put little value on being unified. Now, when I say being right, I mean, we, we want to be doctrinally sound, but there's sometimes when there's a, another way to do it, it's not wrong, but because we think our way is right, come on, we don't want to participate and we don't want to be unified because we, they didn't do it my way. We got to get, a, get get rid of that selfishness. okay? Third thing, supernatural power comes. And we saw this uh, on the day of Pentecost in Acts, the second chapter. See, Pentecost is, is about being unified. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, they were all on one accord in one place. Their unity, amen, was was the the the, the, the impetus for what God was going to do in sending his Holy Spirit to the earth around. Yes, that was power they wouldn't do from high, but the unity of the church at Pentecost, amen, set the Christian a uh, 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 movement as we know it in motion okay the church age amen came uh, into fruition uh, when Pentecost took place but it was cause of uh, of unity supernatural power uh, came through the unity of uni- unified front of the believers at Pentecost and, and the fourth thing is answered prayer we can answer prayer when we are unified go to go to Matthew 18 verse 19 and 20 real quickly so if we're going to be healthy as a church, then we got to pursue a spirit of excellence. Be excellent in what we do. Don't give, don't give God your leftover time, your tired time. So many people, listen to me, so many people give all their energy and their time to other stuff, and when it comes to God, we're tired. I'm sleepy. I don't feel like going. But if, the ball, if, if, if they're playing a, a big ball game, Football game, basketball game, we want to go, right? Nothing wrong with that. But how many of us put that before God? So what if your youth, you, what if your youth uh, group is having an event or going to camp or whatever, uh, but you won't go to camp with the youth, but you'll go to a basketball camp? Is that putting those things before God, you think? And you could have went. I mean, I mean that was not a scheduling conference, but you just chose. No, nah, I'm not going go to I'm not gonna go to youth camp, but I'm going to go to basketball camp. I'm going to go to cheerleading camp. I'm going to go to Six Flags. I'm going to go wherever. How many of y'all have made those choices and those decisions before? Put that before God. Guys, we got we to make sure that we don't put anything before our God. Look at what the text says here. i also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth, watch this. Concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. The power of agreement and union. Now, again, it's got to be something that's in line with God's will. Look at verse number 20. It says what? For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there where? Where two or three are gathered together as my followers, what what does he say? I am there among them. So coming together in unity. Unity gives us a gateway into answered prayer. Into answered prayer. God always loves us, but he will simply not bless us when we are walking in independence or disunity. One of the things that 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 really ticked God off with the children of Israel is when they started depending on something besides Him. God said, "I save you. I love you. I want to cultivate a relationship with you, but I don't want you depending on anybody else or anything else beside Me." That's what He said. He wants us to trust Him for our supply. Okay. So, lastly, okay, what now? Four keys to building unity. If we're going to build unity, number one, we got to humbly depend on the Holy Spirit with the understanding that we all have the ability to be carnal and divisive. All of us, if we're not paying attention, if we're not standing our word, if we're not praying, can get fleshy. Any of y'all been fleshy this year so far? We're only 15 days in. How many of you been fleshy so far? It's easy to get fleshy, to be carnally minded to not think about the things of God, and we can begin to get focused on our own self. All of us have the potential to be fleshy, okay? So we got to depend on the Holy Spirit, okay? Because uh, if, if, if we're not careful, if we, don't, if we don't view the right things, don't stay in the Word, uh, start following the wrong people, it's easy to get in your flesh. Second thing is walk in love and focus on the main issues that bring us together. Pop up Ephesians 4 and 4 right quick. Walk in love. And focus on the main issues that bring us together. If we're going to create a, a culture in the church where excellence abides and unity is the order of the day, as your pastor, I'm going to need not only young adults, golden vessels, men, ministers, and women's ministry, but I need real for Christ to be on the same page too. Because guess what, guys? Y'all are not the future, y'all are the church of the now. You guys are going to reach some people that I can't reach. You're going to be able to have a relationship with kids at school that I'll never see. So, as you learn about your faith walk, take that faith walk with you to school. Because guess what, guys? Particularly in Bozer Paris, they've they've, they've clamped down so uh, with this lawsuit from this atheistic group from New York where a teacher can't even pray with you. They can't. And if you will notice, you go to football games where they used to just... Uh, you know, have everybody standing to give an invocation, you won't see that. Now, what what will happen is 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 that a, a student can uh, extemporaneously decide to, he's giving opening remarks, he can break out in prayer, but if even this year's graduation, they will not have invocation on the program. Why? Because the lawsuit said you can't have it. Why well, am I telling you all this? I'm on, I'm on the religious monitoring committee for the parish. and I'm, I'm on the side of I'm, I'm representing the school board, and there's two other members that represent the group that filed a lawsuit. That's here in Bozarth Parish. I'm not talking about anywhere else. I'm talking about right here in Bozarth Parish. Your teacher can't pray with you, not and in, in get and in, and in, in, in be seen, because they they're subject to being reprimanded and fired. This thing is real, and the devil is coming after you guys, because he knows. If he can get y'all off course, if he can get you to just be nonchalant about church and about real for Christ and just you just kind of haphazardly do stuff, not give it your all, that he can put you in a place where he can control you. If he can get you to walk, start talking about your fellow brothers sisters in Christ and not walk in unity, that he got you right where he wants you. He can control you. But if you're unified and you agree to give God your very best, God can take you to higher heights. Can I get one witness up in here? How many of y'all want to go with God? I want you to go with it. Now watch this. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. We walk in love and focus on the main issues that bring us together. Number number, number three, submit to authority. We got to submit to authority. Now listen, this is is critically important. Wherever you are in life, you're going to always have to to be submitted to some authority. Y'all with me? So obey your parents. You may not agree with everything they say. I didn't either. But I discovered later on I didn't know as much as I thought I knew. They're feeding you. They're putting clothes on your back. Roof over your head. Just do what you're asked to do. Here's what I learned. I could get much more from my parents when I did what I was supposed to do. I could get... More money if I act right. <laughs> I got the freedom to go to more places if I came in on time. I'm just, that's just my little secret. All right? If you do what you asked, you get freedom. But if, you, if you're going to push the limit, push the boundaries, try to break your curfew and all that kind of stuff and just you know, hang with folks who you shouldn't be hanging with who are doing stuff that, that, that you know is not right to be done, but you want to be with them because they're cool. They're the hip cats. I know that's old school, isn't it? George, you say, what's a hip cat? <laughs> the cool dudes at school, the cool, the, the cool, the in-crowd girls. So you're trying to hang with them and they over there smoking weed? Do y'all know what weed is? Oh I know you know. Your parents think you don't know, but I know you know. Don't 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 get into that. Because you are a light. And God has you on that school campus. To be a light. Yeah, you're a light and we're proud of you and you're gonna going to so, keep growing. So submit to authority. Look at what the text says here uh, and I'm going to let you go. Hebrews 13 and 7 and then we'll look at Hebrews 13 and 17. As your pastor, I'm not going to tell you anything to hurt you. I promise you. Look at what the text says. Remember, can we read this out loud and on purpose? Let's read it. Your leaders who taught you, that's what I'm doing tonight, okay, think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Follow my faith walk, okay? Look at verse number 17. Now watch this. Look at verse 17. Obey your spiritual leaders, those who are teaching you, those who are walking alongside you, your your Rear for Christ leaders, your D group leaders, you guys have a responsibility to, to obey them. As your pastor, members, obey your spiritual leaders. If it's me or anybody else or whoever you're up on the to school teacher, whatever, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That will certainly not be for your benefit. Okay? So obey your spiritual leaders. So submit to authority. That helps build unity. Number four, this is real good. Deal with problems and offenses quickly and biblically. When you get mad at somebody in your group, let's go talk about it. We're not going to spend a whole week sending cryptic messages. You know who they're talking about. Everybody knows who they're talking about. No, let's deal with it biblically and quickly. Do not let it fester. Jesus said if there's an offense or an off between you and another person, you go to a one-on-one. And you talk about it. And so you, you may be at the age saying, but I'm not real comfortable with that. Well, you go and talk to your D group leader. You, you, your real cry, for Christ leader say, listen, I, I have a problem with Sally. And I need you to help me. So your, your leader will get you all together. Y'all sit down, y'all talk about it. And they'll give you spiritual advice and counsel. But don't let the thing fester. Don't sit there and be mad at them and telling everybody else about it and you haven't dealt with it. Jesus said, go to them one-on-one. Fair enough? All right. Last thing, equipping. And I'm I'm stopping on this. Um, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verse number 11. Watch this. Equipping. So we we need to have excellence. We got to have what? Second thing is what? Unity. Unity. And then we got to have, number three, we got to be equipped. We got to be prepared. And so from real for Christ all the way on up, we got to get prepared for the coming influx. God is going to send people our way and we need to be ready and equipped to be able to minister to those who we come in contact with. Yes, you've been called upon to minister in the chair. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. I serve in the role of pastor and teacher. Their responsibility is to what? Equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. So my responsibility as a pastor-teacher is to equip you to do the work. Well, Pastor, isn't that your job? No, my job is to equip you to do the work. Do the work. Is that what it says? Their responsibility, all those fivefold fold ministry gifts, is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Verse 13 says what? This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We will not measure up until the full and complete standard of Christ until we see Christ face to face. So what that tells me is, is God's going to use these ministry gifts to build and equip the church until Jesus comes back. Okay? 14, 15, and I'm finished. Then we will no longer be immature like children We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Don't listen to people who tell you something different than what you've been taught uh, by from the scripture and from your parents and from 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 your pastoral leadership. Okay, Don't don't let don't let that happen. Fifteen and sixteen. Let's go. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. 16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Listen to this. Watch this. Here's how you know you got a part. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. Each one of y'all have a special work that God wants to do through you. And what he wants to do through you helps make this body complete and whole. So listen, as your pastor, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need y'all to be dialed in. Because you got something that we need. You got a gift inside of you that God wants to use to help make this body complete and whole. Did you hear that tonight? You got a gift inside of you. Watch this. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So some of us ain't growing because some of y'all ain't connected. Look at read it with me. Let's read it. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is what? What are we talking about? A healthy church. The whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So we need, you, we need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. We need all of us in here doing our part so that we can be a healthy church. So we can have a culture that's indicative of the God who we serve. Everybody say healthy church. Everybody say let's change the culture. So let's, let's change the culture. Say I'm willing to do my part. Give the Lord hand of praise. Come on.